grace and peace are yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text that we want to meditate upon this morning is our epistle reading as we continue to focus on the essential gospel. We've read it and we will be referring to it during the sermon. Dear fellow redeemed, I had to admit it, I'm not as young as I used to be. Now it's probably not just because I turned 50 in July, although there are certain birthdays that kind of remind you, right? No, for my 50th birthday, I was with my family in Boston. We were walking the Freedom Trail. I, I didn't even feel like I turned 50. But the next day, wasn't my muscles, wasn't the fact that I was physically tired, I woke up that day and said to myself, what day is it? It wasn't the date, it was actually the day of the week. And for about 10 minutes in a fog, I wondered, what day is it? Is it Tuesday? No, that doesn't sound right. Is it Friday? No, if it were Friday, I'd be doing something else. What day is it? And I finally had to ask my 22-year-old daughter, what day is it? And she just went, Dad, you're getting old. Now, why'd she say that? Probably because connected to my age is the fact that I'm starting to forget things. I don't always remember what day it is. And now my wife, who has been struggling with this much longer than I have, and she compensates by writing down lists of everything, she's starting to wonder if I can continue to do this job. You see, my job requires that four to five days of the week I'm not home. Travel to one congregation, help them. Travel to another congregation, help them. Travel to a new area, determine if we can do some outreach among bilingual ministry there. And my wife is concerned that I'm going to wake up one day and not know where I am. What hotel am I in? Who am I supposed to be visiting today? Now, it, it's somewhat tongue-in-cheek. It's somewhat humorous. But the truth is, is that all of us begin to forget. So what do we do? How do we overcome this potential problem? After all, maybe not remembering what day of the week it is doesn't seem that important. But what if you forget something that's really essential. Phone number. Social security number when it's needed. Or perhaps the worst thing of all, you forget your house number. Where you live. How are you going to get back home? I mean, those things are essential, right? They're necessary. You need them every day. And if you forget it, what do you have? 
Well, I suppose that if you constantly forgot where you lived, you probably would go and do something specific. Maybe like taking your address, writing it down on a piece of paper, and putting it in your wallet. But what happens if you forget your wallet? Maybe then you end up just pinning it right on whatever shirt or jacket you are wearing that day so that at any point in time, you can turn, look down, and say, aha, this is what I am supposed to remember. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us about God's Word. God's Word is so essential, so important, so necessary that we need it around all the time. And this text makes it so clear to us, so abundantly clear to us, that this essential gospel is essential for our whole life. After all, look at the way the Apostle Paul lays it out. In the very first verse he says, but for you, continue in what you have learned. What does that assume? It assumes that somewhere along the line, you studied it. Continue remembering is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Continue going back to that which is most important, essential, and necessary. And for Timothy, and and remember, these essential Gospels that we've been reading were first written for a specific individual, a man whom the Apostle Paul took literally under his wing and had him walk alongside of him for years before this gentleman, Timothy, would then assume work at his own congregation. So so Paul knew Timothy well. Timothy knew Paul very well. So what does he say? Because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul points out a very unique blessing to Timothy. Timothy had had the unique privilege of growing up in a Christian household, which means that from day one, he was always hearing what God had to say. And here's my children's message. Kids, what do you hear at home? If your parents woke up every morning and said to you, Five. And they repeated it for a whole year. What are you going to remember? You going to remember six? Are you going to remember ten? What are you going to remember? Five. Exactly. Because that's what your parents told you. And not just told you once. For example, if I ask you, what was the number that I said at the beginning of my last sermon only three weeks ago? Children, adults. In fact, only right now, if you start quickly going through your podcast collection, will you hear 
because of an audiovisual memory aid. But see, that's what God understands. God understands that you and I need His Word from the beginning, whether it's from the, the very moment that we come out of our parents' womb and we're brought to the baptismal font, or even if we get God's Word later on in life, from that initial starting point, we need the Word of God repeated to us over and over and over again, just like that number five, because it's that important. In fact, it's more important than remembering what day of the week it is. And perhaps it's even more important than remembering where you live. Because as the Apostle Paul says, it makes you wise to salvation. What, what does Paul mean there? Paul means that when you are wise to salvation, you know clearly and plainly what the path is and what the end goal is. You know clearly and plainly that if you deviate from that path, you're not going to get to where you need to go. And that's why the Apostle Paul, to Timothy and to us today, makes it abundantly clear that this all-important Word of God is not just a, a, a wonderful thing to have just within arm's reach, but it's something that needs to be burned into our hearts. And therefore, the written book and having it available is so important. The key to this whole section is verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, you can trust it. You know where it came from. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You see, the Apostle Paul understood that God's Word is not a self-help book. The Apostle Paul understood that God's word is not just one of those, I'm down in the dumps, let me listen. Or it's not just a, well, here are the boundaries you can go. But rather, God's word is so essential, the gospel is so essential that it completely envelops my life. In other words, when I get into God's word, it completely surrounds me because it applies itself to every instant in my life. That's what Paul means by teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Think about those four different words. The Bible is useful for teaching. What does teaching mean? It means very simply when something is new to me. When I don't know something, especially when it comes to the Scriptures, the Bible will Teach me. In other words, it will give me information I didn't have before. For example, a Christian who is new to the faith will probably learn for the first time it is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring me faith. Without the Bible, I would never have learned that. I couldn't even guess that. But the Bible teaches me the Holy Spirit brings me faith. Well, that's news to me. And because I am now taught, I have the opportunity to hear it over and over again, to reinforce it, so that I learn it. But the Bible's not just for teaching. It's also for 
rebuking. What does that word rebuke mean? Perhaps you and I don't use that word in our vocabulary. Rarely have I heard a father look down at his son and say, Son, I rebuke you. We just don't use it. Therefore, we need to really understand what that word means. The word rebuke has the understanding that when there is a contrary position that is wrong, you need to clarify that. In other words, if I've been taught that the Holy Spirit gives me faith, but then I start saying, but the Holy Spirit can use whatever he wants to use to bring me faith. The Holy Spirit can use the bus that's going by right now. Imagine that. The Holy Spirit can use um, th this friend sitting over here. The Holy Spirit can use a dream that I had last night. And I explain that and express that with firmness, my friends, the Bible comes to us and says, no, you're wrong. I need to rebuke you. I need to show you that your position needs to be changed because in that particular thought process, you're not following the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit does not use whatever means it desires. God has already established the means for the Holy Spirit it is his word. So that's a rebuke. And that's different than the word correct. The word correct has this gentle effect of bringing back in line. In other words, I've heard it, but I'm not just sure what it is. And so I may say something, but, but I'm not quite sure. I may think that the Holy Spirit speaks to me in dreams, but you know, I, I, I'm just not sure. That's where God's word corrects me. It brings me back in line. It reminds me. No, the Holy Spirit uses only the word, nothing else. So much so that if you put the word aside, the Holy Spirit cannot work. And therefore, the faith that he gave you will begin to diminish, diminish and diminish very rapidly. And you may be left without faith. And all this has a, a, a final end in what Paul, the Apostle Paul calls training in righteousness. In other words, that repetition that we get, like I told the kids, the number five for a whole year, that puts us into a mindset. That puts us into a narrow path and that helps us understand where the boundaries are. It's only five. It's not six. It's not four. And it's certainly not ten. It's five. The Holy Spirit uses the Scriptures to train us in righteousness, not just to understand, but to put into practice. And Paul makes that clear in the very next verse. He says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why is the gospel so essential for each and every one of us for our whole lives? It's because we're sinners. And sinners tend to forget. See, it's not just the fact that I turned 50. I've been forgetting since day one, especially when it comes to God's word. Because the sinner forgets by turning his back. 
The sinner says, I don't want that part of God. I don't need that part of God. I am okay where I am. And the trust falls on him or herself rather than firmly in that word of God. And Apostle Paul says, you know what? You've known God's word since the beginning. You know the people who've taught it to you. You know that it taught you, it rebuked you, it corrected you, and it continues to train you. It continues to remind you. Think about it this way. You watched the Olympics this last summer, right? There are some really good athletes. One of my favorite athletes from the Olympics, the swimmer, Mr. Phelps. He's a really good swimmer. He's the swimmer that I wish I would could be. But you know what the big difference between Michael Phelps and Pastor Flunker is? Not the fact that he's 6'4 and weighs a lot less than I do. The fact is he worked at it every day. It's not like in 2014 he said, I think I'm going to swim for the Olympics next year or next two years in 2016. I'm going to swim when I go to Rio. And then for the next 18 months didn't do anything. Oh, no. We've all seen reports on the television. We've probably read stories in magazines about how that individual trained, worked, repeated over and over and over again just so he could dive in the pool for, what was it, 50 seconds? A minute and a half? Think about our relationship with God's Word. We're being trained in righteousness. These Sunday morning worship services are training opportunities. The Bible classes that we hold beforehand at 9 o'clock are training opportunities. The times that we meet during the week, in fact, any time that we open God's Word and let the Holy Spirit speak to us through that Word, it's training time. And if you're not sure what you're being trained for, look at all of chapter 4 there. I'm not going to go through every verse again. But in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul reminds us that there is a goal. You are wise to salvation. God has forgiven your sins. You have been rebuked when necessary. You've been corrected when necessary. And now in that light... Share. Take that word and don't just store it up inside of your heart and, and, and let it just kind of sit there, but share it with others. Why? I do want to point out one very specific verse. In the middle of that paragraph, the second sentence in verse 3 tells us why you and I need to share what we know to be true from God's word. In verse 3, Paul says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I think you've met some of those people. 
And I'll just put the example outside of God's word for just a minute. If you like the Mets, you surround yourselves with Mets fans, right? It wouldn't make much sense to be a Mets fan and to have a bunch of Chicago Cub fans around you. They're not going to talk the same language. In fact, they're going to spend their time trying to convince you the Mets. You don't need the Mets. The Cubs is where it's at. Look at everything they've done. Look at all the home runs. Look at the stellar pitching. The same thing happens with God's Word. The problem is, is that you and I, knowing what is true, having heard what God says, inside of our own person, there still is that old man that, that fights us, that does not want what God says. And therefore, sometimes we go looking and listening for that which is going to sound nice to us. God's Word says clearly that any type of physical, sexual relationship prior to marriage is wrong. It's a sin. Don't do it. And yet when you walk around and talk to people, there are a lot of people saying, oh, no, 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 God doesn't really mean that. It's okay if you become committed for a while. You need to try things out. And our sinful nature says, yeah, that's what I want to hear. Give me more of that. That's where we need to go back to God's word and listen to the rebuke. But God's word says, no, you're wrong. That is a sin. And the fact is you could go through every one of the Ten Commandments. Perhaps one that hits a little closer to heart. God says, be in the word every day. It is essential to your life. It's necessary to make you wise into salvation. And sometimes our inner man says, you know what, I've had enough of God's word. I know what God says. I don't need to listen anymore. I'd rather talk about philosophy or, 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 or how I can be a better person. And then we surround ourselves with people that say the same thing. Why? It's what our itching ears want to hear. Paul says, careful, warning, danger, Will Robinson. Surround yourself with the word. Surround yourself with those who preach and teach only the word. Surround yourself with individuals who are going to look at the scriptures and know that it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Surround yourself with those who are willing to point out your sins so that the forgiveness, which is so key, necessary in our life, will be proclaimed openly and freely. Because in the end, that's what's essential about every bit of gospel. You and I desperately need to hear that our sins are forgiven every day of our life. It's equivalent to the number five. Every morning, every evening, God says your sins are forgiven. That message comes only from the Scriptures. 
That's why. The gospel is essential for our whole lives. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all of our human understanding, may that peace guard and keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus until this temporal life is over and he takes us to be with him in heaven forever. Amen.